from Eric Walker Wickstrom. As we approach our agenda, let us remember we are doing the work of the congregation. When we do the work of this congregation, we touch lives. When we touch lives, we change the world. May this chalice flame that has been kindled remind us throughout this meeting of our ministry and our mission. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. So thank you for spending a little more time on your Sunday afternoon with us. Um, my name is Jennifer May. I'm the moderator of the Board of Trustees, um, for those of you that don't know me. Um, just to level set a little bit and welcome you here, uh, we have planned, the Board of Trustees has planned several town halls throughout the year as just one way to further the conversation and communicate about the life and work of our congregation. Uh, today is the first one of this fiscal year, uh, and our topic is the congregational goals, which if you're just walking in and you need a copy, uh, Vivian has hard copies here in the back. So just raise your hand. Thank you. Um, yes, okay, raising hands. Um, there are seven of them, and there is probably not enough time in all of our Sunday to, to talk thoroughly about all of them. We're going to keep our time together this morning to an hour because people have other things to do with their day and probably want lunch and other such wonderful things. So in that spirit, we're going to probably only touch on one or two of the items uh, today, and then we will continue that conversation going forward. Um, so our, our purpose here would be to initiate some conversation around our congregational goals, but we would definitely like to see future discussion and action on these goals in the many teams across the entire congregation. Congregational goals are shared goals for our congregation. They are not from or owned by the board or held by the board. They're held by all of us. Um, they were put together by uh, the board of trustees in a retreat and um, and they are shared with you for further conversation and action. So I want to start by recapping and looking at what our congregational goals were last year. So the concept of congregational goals is, uh, was, was suggested by Reverend Stephen when he joined us and is a way to replace what used to be called the master plan. The master plan is the board of trustees uh, process to look at a three to five year plan for strategic direction for the church. The, this congregational goals will replace the master plan and be more fluid, um, more ongoing, an opportunity for us to change and guide our direction year over year while still thinking about long range strategic initiatives that may take more than one year. So looking back at last year's and then looking down at the page you have, you may see some similarities because the work continues. So that's just one way to think about it. So these were the six congregational goals that we came up with last year in the board. And just a quick, not, not a complete look at, but so what, what happened? How did we do against our congregational goals? Um, if we look at them, under the goal of growing the congregation, we did increase our celebration and ritual around new member signing. We brought some of that into our worship service and out from you know, a separate space, making it more important. Um, a lot of work behind the scenes has happened in the last year, planning for programs with the membership team. And I know we started to see some of the output of that just in, in this year. So again, another one of those examples of a multi-year process. All under that focus of how do we grow our congregation and welcome uh, people into our space and into our, our community. Our second goal was nurturing our RE program and revitalizing RE for adults. Um, many of you may have seen we had a very popular UU History adult RE program that was offered by Reverend Stephen. 
Uh, members were identified for a new or a re revamped uh, adult RE team. So that team is being um, reconvened for, uh, for future uh, RE for adult programming. And of course, our vibrant children's RE program that is headed by Colleen, our DRE, continues to be one of our crown jewels. <laughs> we don't want to forget the stuff we're doing well. <laughs> Our third goal was to revitalize social justice and to put more energy in that space. Uh, we appointed Andrew Rome as the social justice ministry coordinator. Uh, we revamped some of how the social justice teams are structured and there is a council now for coordination and communication that Andrew spearheads. We had the Race for Justice workshop last year with Chris Crass. Um, which was open to, uh, we had quite a few people attend and there was a large fundraising effort to bring Chris Crass, a lot of great energy around that. And multiple vigils and demonstrations uh, here outside the doors of our church uh, on multiple different issues. So a lot of new energy brought into our social justice space. Our fourth uh, goal was to create a path for leadership. And again, here's another place where we saw celebration and ritual for leaders brought into the worship service. Um, couple, uh, last week, we commissioned the board. Um, so a lot of a ritual and, and holding up of our leaders across the entire congregation, I think, is very meaningful. We um, included budget for leadership development in our annual budget. Uh, put our money where our words are, so to speak, right? <laughs> Got to spend money to get good people. And, um, and again, a lot of behind-the-scenes work that has gone on in the last year on the process of leader recruitment and thinking about how we ask people to come serve in positions of leadership, both in the Leadership Development Committee and the board and in many of the other committee spaces. Um, Reverend Stephen has done a lot of counseling in this space to help us reframe uh, going from looking for warm bodies to finding people to that um, sacred yes, which I think he talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's been the culmination of a, of a year's worth of work. Number five was get the fellowship hall built. An ever aspirational goal that we have. We did clear and clean up the land. A bunch of people worked very hard out there so that space could become useful as, as we wait for uh, our building. We did do work in this space last year, and we're going to talk about more of this today, receiving estimates from builders and value engineering the estimates. Um, and we did select a preferred builder that we have been working with on the value engineering. So there is progress being made even when there's not bricks being placed out there. And I know we'll have some more information on that in a little bit. And then our last goal last year was to create more visibility in the wider community. So we did establish a publicity team. Kitty Endress uh, is their sole member on that team right now. So if you're interested in publicity, um, this would be a great space to get engaged. Uh, but Kitty has done an amazing job already of uh, funneling some of the stuff that we're doing around here into articles when the vigils and the... Uh, and the demonstrations are held, right? Kitty and other folks have worked hard to start looking at uh, how do we create more visibility in the wider community? So if you've seen articles in the Record Courier about our church, you know, part of that is in stemmed from our, our getting behind the sixth goal. So it's a lot of work done here um, that I think we need to just, we need to continue, so. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure you all could probably tell me more of the things that we've done in support of this. I just wanted to give you a sense of how setting our congregational goals gives us intention to um, pick the thing that we're going to spend our time on. We have so precious time to spend in our whole lives and towards our congregation. So let's make sure that what we're doing are the things that we're, we're all rowing in the same direction. Okay. So here is, and if you need it on the paper, we have paper, uh, our, our revised goals, our goals for this coming year. And you can see there's a lot that has carried over. Our first goal is to grow as a spiritual community. 
And there's a little more content, um, and you can find this also online. Uh, these were sent out in a recent e-news, uh, and they're available on the website. So there's a, some, some intention behind that. Our goal, too, is to nurture our religious education program. So this one carries forward, both from children and youth and young adults to adult. So how do we look at religious education across our entire intergenerational community and grow it and nurture it? Goal three, again, just continuing forward from last year, deepen our capacity for social justice. Goal four is to promote a culture of shared leadership. So in addition to growing our leaders, how do we continue to uh, support the leaders that we do have, grow new leaders, and promote that culture of shared leadership and greater communication between all the different leaders within our community? Goal five, revitalize our infrastructure. So not just get the hall built. It's there. Um, but think about all of our space, physical and um, our resources, how do we feel proud of the space that we're in? Uh, it's not just getting a new hall built, it's how do we shape this space? How do we shape our coffee hour? Everywhere where we enter, do we have an inviting space? And do we feel proud of the space that we're in? And how do we revitalize and bring that energy that we all feel in here into our environment? Uh, goal six, create more visibility in the wider community. We carried this one forward as well. And we're going to talk more about this today uh, and brainstorm maybe a bit of some ideas. So we talk often about how we want to be outwardly focused as a community. This has been a topic of conversation uh, on multiple spaces. We care for ourselves here individually, but we really want to welcome new people. We want everyone to come and join this amazing space and this amazing community that we're in. How do we create more visibility in that wider community? What is the wider community? Uh, and how do we uh, engage in, that, in those spaces? So this is where this one is, is. And then goal seven is work towards greater financial stability. So an, a renewed importance, not that this has never been important, this has always been important, but in, in terms of making it a congregational goal, our goal is to be intentional about uh, looking at how we do our budgeting process, how we do endowment, how we do our, our uh, fundraising, et cetera. So a, a renewed focus on that this year. We have capital campaigns in there, lots of different financial spaces. So today, we're going to focus on goal five and goal six, because we don't have a whole bunch of time. Um, and, um, and I think that there's probably questions and concerns and talk about many of these other goals as well. So if one of these others grabs you and you really want to talk about that, um, we are more than welcome, the board and, um, and the other leaders within the congregation, I think, are more than willing to continue this conversation. But today, let's try to stay focused on five and six, just to have a, a meaningful shared conversation about these areas. And then we'll continue the conversation on any of the others at a different time. Okay? All right. So goal five, revitalize our infrastructure. I've invited Max to join us today um, to talk about some of the work that's been happening in this space. You know, for years, we've had the building expansion team. Um, in addition to the building expansion team, which has a very important role to play um, in getting the hall built, we have, uh, the board has commissioned a social hall task force, a very specific team of a few people uh, whose goal will be to help us um, with the gap between uh, the building that we've envisioned and building and building it. I think this is the best way for me to summarize it, but I'll let Max come up and talk. I don't want to steal his thunder. Do you need a mic or you might? Uh, I'm not mic. You guys can hear me, right? Well, I think we're recording, so we need a mic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, welcome everyone. 
I was just did something on expectations with the RE. You know, the expectations were that people are going to have tomatoes to throw at me, but hey, you know, that doesn't happen. Uh, thank you. And, yeah, my name is Max Grubb. I've been with the church since around 2006 or 2005. And I served on, I've served on the board. I've been a moderator, and now I'm off of this thing. Thank God. But um, the board, as Jennifer mentioned, commissioned a task force uh, to sort of take on the project of the Fellowship Hall. And we'll also, we've, we've had some discussions concerning the church itself. And you've seen the construction that's taking place out in the back already, right? <laughs> we, have a little, we have a little place where we did a little shovel, a little grading to, to sort of get the building permit. And then what's really interesting is that the civil engineer, the city engineer has to come out once a month to inspect that grading to continue the permit. Um, things I've learned since being on the task force. <laughs> but we had our first meeting in September. And just to give you a review of the short history of this, uh, I served on the feasibility committee with Reverend Melissa uh, to try to figure out how we were going to expand uh, going back five, six years ago. Uh, and part of that was trying to acquire, acquire property. And if you, for your information, we did try to acquire the property next door uh, through some negotiations. And it would just, we could not come to terms on the, on the money. Uh, and it was way, way out, outside the boundaries of what we were willing to spend. So then what we were fortunate was that the property behind us, the, the gentleman that owned that property passed away, and he was in his 90s. And uh, the daughter, we had already, we had communicated to the daughter that we would be interested in the property actually months before he, he uh, passed away. And she contacted us immediately and we were able to come to terms and we acquired that property. Uh, in fact, we acquired the property in cash, I believe. Yes, we paid cash for that. We had money in a capital fund to do that. Then uh, I became moderator, and the next thing we found out was it was heavily, heavily infested, is the word maybe, with asbestos. And we had to pay close to 10000 to get the asbestos removed before we could, and I signed the contract on that, and then we had the, had the building demolished. And if, if you were here as part of the membership at the time, you recognize that they had left a lot of stuff in there which we were able to sort of sell off and uh, to the congregation and, and donate to other locations. So we cleaned off that and then we demolished the property. We hired a, um, we hired a consultant from uh, UUA to guide us on a capital campaign. Uh, and, and let me back up one step. As vice moderator under Elaine, uh, I had come up with a couple of people, discussion on how we set up the committees. We set up a building expansion team with a group of individuals that we felt were, could contribute their expertise. And we also set up a capital campaign team, two separate teams to work on this project with Randy Leeson as the liaison between, he was a member of both. And we hired then a consultant from UUA to give us a guidance on how to do a capital campaign. And he projected what we could raise and we did the capital campaign and we came up with X amount of money, which was a little short at the time. The projection at the time, and recognize the economy was not doing that well. It was okay, but it was sort of chugging along. Uh, the projections at the time, I think, was, we were looking at maybe eight or $900,000 to do the building. Um, we got all that. The building expansion team did a request for proposals. We got three proposals. Was it last year or the year before? I can't recall now. Last year. And I was put on the BET toward the end of that. Um, so I got on the BET toward the end of it, and I was there when the RFPs came out, so last year. We came up, there was three proposals. None of them were below a million. None of them were below 1.2 million. There were more like 1.3 and 1.4 million dollars to build this, this uh, fellowship hall, social hall. When we, that's when we recognized that we were going to have to re-examine what was going on and go from there. It sat. Admittedly, it sat for a while. I think part of it was because we had two separate committees working on this project. And when the BET got those figures, it was sort of like, what do we do? What do we do from now here? Do we do another capital campaign, or how do we work on this? And I, admittedly, I think that we need a little period to sort of get a, get a grasp of what's going on. The board, with the new board and with the new goals and everything else, you know, fortunately they decided that we needed to have a task force that sort of tried to tie it all together. 
let's tie this together. Let's find out where everything is at and what do we need to do to get this thing built. And that's, you know, we had our first, you know, we were, it was formed at the beginning of September. We had our first meeting in September. Uh, I was put on it because I was on the BET a little bit. I also have some knowledge of the actions as a board member. Uh, I was put on it. Kay was put on it because you were on the, the capital campaign team. David, you're on it too, aren't you? David Smeltzer was put on it. I have no idea why you were put on it. He's the board rep. I thought uh, Blaine was the board representative. Your capital. You are one person. You share one person. He's 75, 25. You just don't want to take it. Blaine, Blaine was put on it because he's a board member. Uh, we tried to get, but we didn't want to have a too, too large of a committee. We met in September, and here's where, where we're at. We looked at the Mattis. Value engineering, as Jennifer indicated, has been done. Value engineering is a way of, all right, how do we bring the price down? That meant looking at the original drawings by the architect and working with the, with the contractor. We chose Mattis. We did choose somebody to do this. They came in at a pretty competitive rate, still above 1.2. It was like 1.3. Working with them, the BET, which was Randy Leeson for the most part, we worked with them in value engineering. We, we changed some things. One was the architect, and God knows why, uh, putting custom-made windows, you know, not standard size windows, which increased the price significantly. We also looked at, uh, you know, right now, the original drawings called for the ductwork and everything to be hidden uh, in the ceiling. Well, by eliminating that, you know, the ductwork will be there, but by eliminating that, we saved substantial monies too. They were able to find a way to chop out $100,000. You know, down. It doesn't sound like a lot, maybe, if you consider 1.2 or 1.3, but still $100,000 is $100,000. So there's where, you know, that is at the moment. Looking at that, the task force decided to assign duties to each member to find out information so we can put it all together. I was assigned to meet with Randy Leeson um, to find out where exactly are we at in regards to variances, um, permits, all that, and the kitchen, you know, because he had actually commissioned somebody in Akron to lay out the kitchen, and the, archi the original architectural drawings didn't have a layout. It just said kitchen, you know, and there was a building. Well, how does that lay it out? How is that to be laid out, and what is the equipment that we need? He hired someone <laughs> to do that, paid him some money out of his own pocket. It wasn't our pocket. His pocket. And um, long story, and Blaine and I met with Randy to discuss this. We had a two and a half hour meeting with Randy at his house um, and going through everything, every item discussed on, on that and everything. The guy never, they never came up with an outline. They never came up with a, this, you know, oops, pardon me. They never came up with a setup on that kitchen. We actually went to the, he got to go to the architect and the architect did it and also what equipment was going to fit in where and what type of equipment was going to be needed. So we do have an equipment list for that. And he's going to get his money back from the, from the company. <laughs> I, ho I hope he's going to get his money back. <laughs> uh, but Randy had done all that preliminary work. And the permits, we have a grading permit, which is what the city engineer is checking on, and we do have permission to do a number of things. Recognize part of the history of this is that while we were working on this and getting the, the capital campaign and getting starting to request for proposals, they changed the codes, the building codes of the city. They modify them. I guess they do that periodically, which meant we had to modify what we were doing, which increased cost and in, you know, regards to architects and everything else. So, you know, these are things that are happening. Um, and the other thing was, and I, it's not in our purview, but uh, I don't know who was assigned on the task for it, but somebody's been assigned that we, we're looking at how we're going to furnish this. We've talked about building, but no one talked about furnishing this thing, okay? Which means there's more money that's going to be needed <laughs> uh, as such. So the task force has taken on the idea of to get a holistic picture and, a Buddha, and do a push, I'm going to call it a push. I don't care what you call it, but we're going to call it a push to get this thing constructed. And that meant not just working with the contractor who we're looking at, but also trying to find out what permits do we have currently, what are going to be needed, and where, to, where all everything is at. Now, Randy Leeson suggested to me and Blaine in our meeting 
that we meet with the city engineer to say, here's where we're at at the moment. We think, and here's our projections of where we think we may be going. You know, I'm gonna wait. We have a task force meeting on this Wednesday at October 9th, by the way, to discuss where we wanna go with everything, get our ducks in a row, and say, here's where we're at. What do you see in regards to changes that may be made so that we can be prepared for it? The also is that we know we're gonna to have to do another capital campaign to sort of make up the difference. We don't know where exactly that is at because we gotta find out what the furnishings are, what furniture we need and how much that's gonna run. Uh, Randy Leeson already has an equipment list for the kitchen and we've got that set up, but there are things we're gonna need for the kitchen. You know, do we wanna get, you know, obviously new flatware and, and, and dishes, but even the, the dishwasher is gonna need trays. We got this dishwasher equipment list that basically can clean in two minutes a quick turnaround, but you have to have trays to pull in and out. And it only comes with maybe one or two trays. And you may want to have three or four trays to be pulling in and out of this type of a dishwasher. So there are things that we're looking at to make sure we have a clear picture because when we would come back to you, we want to say, this is where it's at. This is how much money we've got right now, which I guess I can give a ballpark. I know Kay gave us a ballpark, a little over 800000 right? Okay, so roughly 777,000 in cash and we have access to a loan of 100 around 120,000 if we you know if we want to use that so that would put us around $890,000 roughly you know we're looking at i think somewhere just the building alone be 1.2 these are approximate figures do not hold me to those um, Plus, when we find out what the furnishings and everything else, you know, we're going to add that money into it. But we're going to put a clear picture to you so that we know what we come back to the capital campaign. Honestly, as, a, as part of a joke, and I hope this, I know it's the economic, there's some of us that believe that the economy is going to tank in, <laughs> in about a year and the prices are going to come down. That's one reason why the prices went up. The economy got better. Buildings started taking off. Uh, next thing you know, labor wages went up. Uh, which, what's that? Yeah, the hurricanes, everything, construction materials went up. That pushed the price up. That is what pushed the price up, is, you know, with all the material costs increasing. I don't know what the tariff effect is on all this. But all these increased the cost of the construction, which is why it is at where it's at today. Um, and I don't know if we could have pushed it and got it in, built any sooner or not, uh, based on what, what I know. I don't think so, because we everything was starting to occur as we were doing the capital campaign. Could we have projected that? I don't think so, um, especially in today's political climate. Who knows where things are at? But the economy, I don't know. The way it's going in the next year, who knows where it's going to be at? But we know that with the task force, we're tying everything together. And having one group, small group, to push it, rather than, you know, and outside of the outside two, group, two groups is a very good positive move. We have our timelines, you know, Blaine and I were assigned to do this. Uh, others on the committee were assigned to do their part uh, in regards to the work, and the idea is to push forward. At the same time, we have had some discussions regarding the sanctuary. Uh, you know, Reverend Stevens on the committee two task force, the discussion of the church. You know, one of the things we may be looking at, I'm not going to promise this, but you know, we've talked about what can we do with the sanctuary itself, you know, maybe a new paint job. I've already got some people who have volunteered that they would do it, um, and that was just an offhand discussion. So we know we're going to be doing, we know we're going to be working on enhancing our, and working with our sanctuary or working with the church itself at this time. So that's not being ignored either. Uh, we're keeping that on board. But the task force within, with just one meeting has already moved a lot in regards to where we're going. Uh, Randy Leeson's not available because he's away for six to eight weeks. Um, he heard you're having this town hall and he quickly moved up his meeting. <laughs> but he, he's gone, but he will be back in time for the silent auctions for those who are wanting to do their Oscar night and everything that's already been turned in. So that's in a nutshell. Did you to put a plug in for his service? No, he didn't. But he showed us that he'd already turned in all his stuff for the service auction. So he's got, he's, you know, you know but he's planning to be back before then. I'm looking to see if there's anything else. Kitchen equipment, uh, letting the city know we're in our days of work. Uh, oh, we are, 
I know there's been some people that want to make sure that we're conscious of the environmental issues concerning, not issues, but environmental approach to, you know, building a green building and all that. That is at the forefront. It's not background somewhere. We do have it at the forefront. That will be calculated with part of the cost because if people want that, we've got to be willing to pay for it. We have to be willing to do what we want to do if we want to, and if, if that's important, and it is from, what, from talking to people, when we come back and ask for additional monies, we'll, we'll say this is what's going to cost us to be able to do that type of building. Any questions? That was questions? a really good synopsis of all of that. I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, the only thing I would add is that one of the things we asked the Social Hall Task Force to do is also look at um, the, the kind of the why uh, to kind of take a step back and say, you know, we've talked for so long about get the hall built, get the hall built, get the hall built, that we have possibly lost sight or, or not keeping in the center um, the vision for it, right? It wasn't just we're bursting at the seams, though we are, um, but, but we had, we did some thoughtful work but it's been a number of years. We need to regroup, especially as we're asking people to probably give more, um, that, that we refocus on our vision for this space, for this space, for that space, for our, our infrastructure, which is let's think about all of the wonderful things we want to accomplish and, uh, and do with our congregation and how the physical infrastructure supports that or inhibits that. And so one of the things I'd ask with our goal five is to give some thought to that personally. You know, where do you see us being very inviting and having um, the, the resources, the physical resources to do what we want, and where would you like to see their growth? So I, you know, I've done a lot of remodels in my own house, and you get excited about a remodel in your house because you're like, yeah, I'm going to have new everything in this space, but why, right? Like, why? Just to have new paint on the wall? No. Why? Because you want a better place to um, entertain, because you have a new baby coming in the house, so you need a, a room that serves that purpose. So what is the purpose that we're doing this for? And I think we all can think of good reasons why. Um, you know, what do you see this space doing for us? And I'll, I'll open it up. Do you all have visions for what we would do with a revitalized space? And we'll use a mic if you want to share. Part of that also is a reflection, and we've talked about this, a task force, the purpose and some of the visions that, you know, come out of the conversations with, with the members here. And, you know, we, rec rec we recognize, you know, this influences our cost. I mean, one of the things that has been asked for is a kitchen, a a type of kitchen that where we you know we we rent out the hall to for for socials or for weddings and everything else that this kitchen can be used well that increases the cost you know because we have to have commercial grade type kitchen appliances and everything so that's a significant cost right there it also significant in regards to what the fire department wants us to have in there we had to put you know a fire what do you call that system fire suppression system thank you fire suppression system which is about fifty thousand dollars you know, these are things that, that, that significantly impact uh, what, we are, what we're trying to do. Thank you, Max. Does anyone have any questions specifically for Max? Yes. Is the task force looking at whether now is still a good time? Or is the task force looking at that. what number to come up with for the next capital campaign goal? It would be... Could you repeat the question? All, all of that. Basically all of that. Uh, we, repeat the question again. I'm sorry, I was making a note on regards to... Is the to task force looking for the new timeline or what they can do now with the existing money, correct? Yeah, is, it, is the task force evaluating whether now is still a good time? now is still a good time. Or is it focused on what is the number we need to promote for the next campaign? Basically all of that. I can tell you right now, there's no way we can start the construction in the next few months. There's just no way in the next three or four months. There's just no possible way of doing that. I, it, you know, but we are doing all of that in regards to what the timeline is. That, and the reason why I state that is the fact that one of the things that Randy Leeson had indicated to me is that we really need to try to go back to the city engineer and say, once we come up with something, to say, this is what we project to be our construction dates. And what do you foresee as our needs? What, what permits, to, uh, well, the con contractor deals with the permits, but what changes do you anticipate that we may have to make 
based on what's happening at the city. But yeah, all of that. Thanks, Dave. Yes. Can you turn that one up? This, this is not so much a question as a suggestion. As you make the plans, I think it would be wonderful if you could get a bunch of us who have disabilities together to talk about our needs, because there are a lot of things that people who don't have disabilities just don't think about. But also, we have answers, which might be a lot cheaper than your answer might be, because we take care of ourselves mm -hmm. and all that. And I'll give you a specific example of a way we could improve right now for disabled people. Um, and it would be cheap. It would be great if disabled people like me could talk to the uh, breeder and say, hey, you know that rocker you've got there? Well, the pew is making my back hurt really bad, but it'd be great if you could bring it in and I could sit in that rocker during the service and not hurt. So that's an example of how a disabled person has an answer that mm -hmm. a non-disabled person might never even think of the problem and we're thinking cheaper that's great. than you might. Okay. So good, that's good, a suggestion. Good suggestion. I like that. Good suggestion. Thank you, Cheryl. And Claudia. Has the, um, I have two questions. One is, um, does the 77, 777,000 include our um, fund a need that we did at the service auction, our 18,000 yeah. and that's something? A that's, that $18,000 at the service auction dedicated for the kitchen, that is dedicated for specifically for the kitchen. And that's in addition to the 777? It's not? Is no. that part of it? Okay, so the 777000 includes the 18000 that we raised for the kitchen appliances and an additional donation that was given for an electrical vehicle charging station. So yes, the, the, um, but I, are those, costs, those costs are being included in the overall costs as well. Yes. Um, as, as well as the furnishings and the things that we didn't fund initially. Okay. My other uh, question is, um, have we exhausted any opportunities to um, get external money in the form of grants or um, as a chalice lighting uh, recipient or anything of that nature? Has that been pursued and has it been exhausted? The capital campaign would, 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 would have worked on that. We could use that. The chalice lighting campaign would be for a very specific needs, so that's something that we could definitely use. Like if we wanted to buy flatware or something like that, if we decide that that's a bump thing that we need, we could definitely put an application for that. There's been discussion. But I don't think we've done that in relation to the entire project. We, I can say early on in the process, when the, the committees were formed and there were, there were some initial discussions, and I don't think Kay was involved with that, but... Reverend Melissa and I talked about the possibility of grants, and the problem that's inhibiting us there would be we're a religious institution. And a lot of grants are not geared toward religious, you know, if you're thinking about a historical foundation, they're not necessarily geared toward a religious institution. Not that there's not anything out there we haven't found, I haven't found anything. If anyone hears of any, we'll definitely take suggestions. <laughs> Sheltered Rock, yes. I think once we get more concrete information, it would be easier to try to solicit grants. But that's a great point, Claudia. Thank you. Sally. As, uh, get the Sally, mic and then we're going to wrap on this topic so we have time for the other. So I've been thinking a lot about Reverend Stevens' um, sermon on radical hospitality a few weeks back. It's, it really resonated with me in many, many ways and on many levels. And one of the things I was thinking about is, as far as that was concerned is 
how welcoming is the space we have right now, what we have available because the social hall's way down the road. Um, this wonderful old historic space um, has some things that make it not very welcoming. First off, we have no central air, which makes this um, sanctuary beastly hot on summer days. The RE classrooms upstairs are even more so because, as we all know, heat rises. And those rooms are not accessible um, to people who can't climb those stairs. And so there are a lot of barriers in this building that we have right now that make it a not very welcoming space. Um, we have no fire suppression system. I think about that constantly. Um, and there, so there's, there's just a lot of things that I think would inhibit people from coming to our space. It's hotter than Hades in the summer. It's even worse on the third floor. That's not accessible. There's no fire suppression. So there's are some things we've got to really think about. How can we make this place that we have right now, here today, a more physically um, welcoming space for people who you know, maybe can't take sitting in an 85 or 90 degree sanctuary on a summer day, even though we have the ceiling fans, which does help, but it doesn't help enough. It can get really hot in here. Agreed. So just a thought. Those are great thoughts, thank you. Um, Hal, and then we're gonna go on to item number six, goal six. And I appreciate, Sally, you bringing up the fact that the goal is broader than just getting the fellowship hall built. Those are great ideas. Well, I just have a couple questions to ask ourselves. Is it true that we're bursting at the seams? And uh, the other question I have is, is has the task force considered changing course at all? Like, what are the other options besides building, the, building a social hall? We've had one meeting, our first meeting was in September, and I can say we did discuss what the possibilities were, what other options there are, and we felt we wanted to find out where all the ducks were at at the moment. You know, that's the reason why I was, Blaine and I were assigned to meet with Randy Leeson for the, the, the discussion, and that's the two and a half hour conversation we had with him. So right now we're all tasked with trying to find out where each of us have our role in regards to finding information. And then on the October 9th meeting, I think we're going to discuss it and figure out where are we at and what do we need to do or where do we want to go with this. Mm -hmm. But it seems, go, go ahead, Blaine, you want to? We voted as a congregation to build a building. Mm -hmm. So it would take another, you know, it's a lot of right. to It may be that once we do an, a, a, an assessment of where we're at and what viability of a camp, you know, the viability of a capital campaign, things like that, all those, all those factors that fit in there, we may come back to the congregation with a recommendation. We will probably come back with a recommendation of what we're going to do and how we're going to proceed. We want to be transparent in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, the, as Blaine indicated, the congregation had indicated they want to proceed and build a social hall. And when so, did we do that? How long ago? I'm 2015 was the congressional vote. I don't know. I have to look it up. In 2015, yeah. But I thought we had another vote after that. That was it. So part of the goal of the social the social hall task force is to reconvene on the objectives and the goal and why, mm -hmm. right. and to make sure that we are taking the temperature and not of the water and not going forward. Uh, with the with with the with a plan that may no longer fit our needs, right. so that is part of the goal. And when we talk about thinking about how this space suits us, or whether we're bursting at the seams, that's part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that there's accessibility issues in this space. There are infrastructure issues. There's uh, we are definitely growing in terms of the needs of the space. Um, let me, meaning finding enough space to do the things that we want to do, whether they be with youth or children or adults, um, that people point to a new hall as being um, a way to alleviate or fulfill those goals. But is that the only way? Right. I mean, I think that's part of what we're asking the, the task force to figure out for us, too. Part of the feasibility committee, when I was on that committee, when we were first looking at this, and trying to acquire property, we were trying to acquire the property next door, right? And the thought was, well, we could build the social hall there, and would, you know, and in fact, we had some initial discussions about connecting it right to this building. 
The problem with that was the moment we connected to this building, we then have to upgrade this building immensely. In regards this whole to, building has to come up to code. Yeah, everything, everything. And the expense on that was phenomenal. I can't recall what that was five or six years ago. I can't recall what it was, but we had some discussion back then. And that's the reason why we don't have, we, well, we couldn't acquire the property anyway. But even if we had required, acquired the property, one of the things we definitely were not going to do is connect it to this building. That doesn't mean we don't want to bring things up the code or bring it up, you know, regards to fire suppression system or air conditioning and all that. It just means that we would do whatever we did, probably either in stages or where we felt the immediate need was at. But that was one of the things that was being considered at the time. So, I mean, we have looked at a lot of options. And we've been tied, you know, by, by back then, you know, we were looking, in fact, they were looking uh, before I was even on the board to, to acquire property out at Twin Lakes, mm -hmm. whatever it was. We looked at that. Um, I wasn't part of that process. I voted with the membership. I forget how I voted. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we were always looking and going to the congregation and saying this is where we're at and, and having making sure that we have the consensus of the congregation for whatever we do. So the social justice, the social hall, I keep calling it social justice, the social hall task force, uh, we're very social people, uh, has a, a big... A, a task in front of them and, and thank you Max for coming today after only one meeting to represent that whole team wow. appreciate the update and the information there's still a lot of work to be done this is part of continuing that conversation so we don't have all the answers but the continuing that conversation is very very important so you got some of those names Max and Blaine and Dave and Kay and Reverend Stephen um, anyone from the board, if you have more questions or more comments on the social hall, um, the task force, the revitalizing our infrastructure, uh, please, let's continue that conversation. And thank you, Max, for your time. I so, just want to assure how that we are keeping the sound aspect of this involved. With Dave and I on the committee, that definitely is part of our concern. Very good. So I'm going to just do a quick time check. I want to keep us to an hour. So we have about 10 minutes. Um, so let's spend a little bit of time talking about goal number six before we, before we end our time today. So goal number six is create more visibility in the wider community. And um, I'd like to open up the discussion um, among all of us. Uh, we talked a little bit about things that we have done in the last year intentionally towards this goal. Um, but I'd like to hear from you all on what you think this goal means to you and how you see our congregation uh, taking action in this, in, against this goal or, or towards this goal. Where did my microphone go? Oh, okay. And Diana, please make sure you wait for the microphone because that's inclusive. So sit with it, think about it for a second. I'd like to see us get a social justice sign outside. I'd love to have a Black Lives Matter of some kind or something around that uh, for outside our church. Okay. A sign outside that gives our intention. Okay. Viv? This is just an observation that we can used to our advantage. Um, <clears throat> the record courier does not seem to send out reporters anymore very much. So when we've had our vigils, there have been no reporters there. So what we did is just take pictures and I'd write an article and interview and say, Andrew, give us a quote and send it in. And they printed it exactly as I wrote them. And this has happened like three or four times. And so we can essentially set, create, we can write our own newspaper articles. And they don't have to be just for our social justice. They can be for the programs that we've done through the Cuyahoga River Concert Series, right? A little write-up that goes in the paper about, hey, look what we did, or something that, we're, that our youth are doing in RE. So when we talk about creating visibility in the wider community, it's not, even though I even chose a picture that was social justice-oriented, it doesn't have to be only that. Great picture, by the way. I, we should use that picture somewhere because that's I will, a great. Picture. I'll get it up on the website. I promise. Okay, Sally. Thank you, one and all. Yes. Thank you, Brad, for your ministry. <laughs> one of the 
the things, I don't know if we still do this, it's one of the things we used to do. Um, I sort of swear that we're like the best kept secret in this community. I tell people about our church and they go, what, where, who, what? You know, they've, they've never heard of us. Um, particularly among the younger crowd, the college age crowd, they, they don't seem to know we exist. And I, I think we used to once upon a time have a, a kind of a campus ministry. I don't know if we still do that. But it's a good way to let people on the campus, whether it's students or even faculty and staff, know that we're here. I like to wear my UU shirts to things like, I belong to the Kent Chorus, and sometimes I'll wear them to choir to sort of let people know I belong to this church. I wear my shirts as often as I can when I'm out doing community things to sort of let people know we're here. So maybe they'll come up and say, what is that church you belong to? Tell me about it. I always hope that's the case they'll, they'll do that. Um, also, one of the things we, we should do, I know this is a huge thing and I, I've had a lot of backlash against this. Some of our street festivals, particularly like the Heritage Festival, you see a lot of churches having booths of some sort. I know it's a massive task. I know it requires a, a gargantuan volunteer effort. But that's another way we can increase our visibility because thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to the Heritage Fest every year. And they see other church booths and they don't see anything of, with us there. And as I said, I know it's a huge effort and I know how much people hate volunteering for stuff, but it's a good way to increase our visibility. It's just one thing we can do. There are a number of things we can do to let people know we're here. We just have to have the volunteer chops to get it done. And I know, as I said, I know how hard that is because people hate volunteering, but we want to increase our visibility. We got to do it. Thank you. Okay. Sana said, mentioned the sign. It, it, I don't know why this never occurred to me, but we are literally, our building is seen by literally thousands of people who drive by every day. So it's right there. They see us. What can we do? Do we, do we still have like thought for the day or something on our sign or something? We advertise what's coming on Sunday or okay. a concert or something. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great if we could have the equivalent of a billboard Did that we? people, or just some thought-provoking, because I'm sure people drive by it every day at the same time. We'll go viral with our little thought of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hal and then Cheryl. Uh, last night we had a concert here, and Blaine and I were trying to figure out how to turn the lights on so that the church doesn't look totally dark. And we couldn't really figure it out, but we looked outside, and there was one little light up there, one little pathetic light. And, you know, what would it be like if we had a nice lighting system to show at night our, the front of our church? with a sign that said Unitarian Universalists or something. Let's spend $500 on that and see what yeah, happens. there you go. Everyone welcome. It was terrible last night. It was so dark. It was like we couldn't figure out how to turn the lights on. Great like we, we, figured, we figured out eventually we went through the men's room and we went, I reached, <laughs> I reached my hand around and I figured out how to get into this little door and turned well, on the sign. I've learned something new today. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that but little, I will never turn on the sign for the front of the... <laughs> that, little light, that little light was just so oh. pathetic. It was yeah. really... I would love to see it. So more uh, visibility at night and more signage. You know, uh, didn't we recently have a booth and we found some of our signage? I think the membership team, and to Sally's point, it's a large effort to coordinate a, a staffing a booth. Um, but, but there was some discussion that went around an email about what if we got some of those feather banners that we could put that would um, maybe say, you know, uh, whoever you are, we welcome you, or welcoming banners. So just something that sort of uh, catches your eye and has you even look at the space. And those are not that expensive. Um, the, those feather flags, you know what I'm talking about? Now, I personally would like some of the tube men as well, but... That's just me. Yeah, rainbow stripe. This is open for business. <laughs> I'll just stand out there. It's free. All right, one more, and then yeah. Um, near where I live is a church that does a great job of getting non-members in 
because they're constantly doing something. They have frequent flea markets. They have a monthly potluck. Everyone's welcome. Give as you can. They have scout troops and athletic troops that are centered in. They have all sorts of activities that bring people and people with kids in and stuff like that. And I think we could do a lot of that. Like for years, I have been dreaming of putting on a one-day class in rocketry and flight outside where we would have, do the baking soda rockets and all that stuff mm -hmm. like I did at Hogwarts once. And we'd invite people with their radio control planes and stuff. So it might be something where you could uh, give if you want or not or whatever. But the point would be to try and get as many different young people in and their parents so that they know something about the church. It's kind of like a stripped down Hogwarts because Hogwarts does a lot of that too. It introduces our church people. So I think the more we do, the better it will be. But we've kind of let our doing slip. We don't have community movies anymore. We don't do all sorts of things that we did when I was first here. So I think we need to start doing more again, open it up to everybody. Excellent, yeah, this is good, this is great. Okay, Kim, and then I'm gonna, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna extinguish our chalice and end our time. I was wondering if we have more uh, specific goals that shoot off from this goal. So to create more visibility in the wider community and ask why repeatedly until we hone in on what we really want. So one reason might be to attract more members. One reason might be to be a voice for people in the community that might not be able to speak for themselves. But do we ask those further questions so that then we can get to very specific actions that we can take and goals? So the goal, the, the, the use of congregational goals and the keeping them generic is intentional so that each of the teams within um, the congregation and even individually, we can all kind of identify in this. So why, right? Um, so Cheryl's passion is, is youth. And so when she talks about it, I hear her talking about inviting more youth and children in. But there's also um, Elaine's passion is uh, creating a soup kitchen when we have a commercial kitchen so that we can feed and create, do more in the community for people who have... Um, uh, food scarcity issues, right? Uh, uh, Sonis is interested in racial justice, so she sees it from that lens. And I think those are all very valid because this is the community that we have. So I think the why comes not only individually, but within the teams that you work in or that you put your time and energy in in this space. Um, and I, I don't know that there's a wrong answer exactly if we're living into our UU values. Um, I think that when we talk about um, some of these things, I hear them already overlapping with other goals that we've set. Um, so revitalizing our infrastructure and making this place more inviting, if we, to get more visibility, put lights outside, right? That, that's five and six in conjunction. So looking at all six across the board, I think gives us some great inspiration and, and, and or seven, we have seven, thank you. Thank you. Um, we have seven values and we have seven goals. <laughs> I think that's important, and I think what you're saying is very important too. Ask why over and over again until you get to uh, a thing that you can do that's gonna that's gonna be impactful. And because there are a you hundred know, different things we could do to meet that goal, and since we have limited time and resources among every one of us, if we can sort of come to some specific things that might yep. be helpful. I would also say just do it. I mean, we just need to do some of these things too and not, not be held up on is this the right thing too. Okay, so uh, real quick then, just next steps. And in support of our fourth goal about increasing our communication, um, we really want to encourage, again, individuals and teams within our congregation to initiate dialogue and action on all seven of our congregational goals. Um, in fact, I you know welcome some argument on them because that's what we do well too in in the UU space, right? Let's let's discuss and argue about what's good about this or why we shouldn't do that. 
um, because uh, that's a way to continue the, the conversation. And I ask each of us to think about um, what do I want to see happen in the coming year for our congregation, and what do I need to make it happen? So uh, I, I use that in my own space, right? What do I want to see happen, and what do I need to make that happen? What help do I need, or what can I do? Um, I also put in a plug for the first Sunday board conversation corner, which we had today. Um, let's please continue the conversation. The board is listening, as always. So thank you. And Elaine, would you um, extinguish our chalice? The, the board corner, uh, conversation corner is the first Sunday of every month. So the board members between services. And... Yep, first Sunday of the month. Go ahead. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing.